You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing leaders in the church and the wider culture. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing the best of these conversations, plus some brand new ones as well. It was leadership expert John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. Some have massive influence through their role as a leader of a church or business, a charity or a family. Others have influence in their neighbourhood, a network of friends or through leisure interests. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity Magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. You'll doubtless be familiar with the short phrase, leadership is influence. And as a short definition, it works well, and I've certainly used it in my introductions to this show. But you will sadly know of church and charity leaders where the influence exerted was unhelpful or caused harm to individuals, teams or congregations. We know of cases in the recent past and the present where leaders have abused power, been engaged in affairs, sought to cover up their behaviour. Some have mercifully repented and been restored, but for many there hasn't been a pleasing outcome. And the ripple effect on God's people is enormous. How do we ensure that the influence we exert is healthy and life-giving, and doesn't come from an unhealthy place on the part of the leader. Well, to help me tackle this vital topic, I'm joined by Jason Clark. Jason is the newly appointed principal of Waverley Abbey College, based at their Farnham campus in Surrey. He served for 25 years as senior pastor of Sutton Vineyard Church, a church he planted with his wife Bev. He also has led a Doctor of Leadership programme for the last 12 years at Portland Seminary, where he is visiting professor. So welcome, Jason, to the Leadership Show. Wonderful. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you. And I have a feeling we may, oh, maybe over a decade ago, had a conversation on this show. So <laughs> it's... It, it's what, do you know, we, we have, and it was such a long time ago, I can't remember. <laughs> so <laughs> so my, my apologies that it's taken us so long to get you back. Yeah. There we go. Um, uh, so we're talking about uh, the more challenging side of leadership. Uh, and of course, we mm. remind listeners that many christian leaders do a great job in serving jesus where god has placed them yeah uh, but we would be naive to not look at the tougher stuff from time to time and so maybe i can uh, yeah. start with a question jason that can frame our expectations yeah. um you know given that no christian leader is perfect what should we expect and hope for and then we'll go into unpacking some of the the shadow side if you like of leadership yeah absolutely i mean it's a good question to start with is expectations because that's where things often go wrong, people coming into leadership and what people are wanting from their leaders. Um, thinking that qu- uh, over coming into today, um, three three things I notice from leadership experience and, and teaching on leadership and uh, and wrestling with that question as well. I think we have very unrealistic expectations. So there is often surrogacy, idealism and unmet emotional needs. And by surrogacy, I mean, life is complex, getting more complex. And there often is a relationship between leaders and followers. Let's use those words where the leader is subcontracted out to do the things that other people don't want to do, sacrificing time, money, taking risks. 
Um, and that relation, there's a sort of collusion that takes place and then a paralysis around growth. Um, and ultimately what happens is then leaders end up in an untenable position uh, because of the pressures that they're under trying to fulfill that part of the relationship. Um, almost like, you know, the frog in the kettle um, things happen to the leader in that dynamic. That's a very common dynamic and one I've experience personally and people tell me about it's not none, none of these things where people want to end up when they go into leadership but it's it's why they get into it um idealism i mentioned um you know that well-known quote some people see things as they are and ask why other people see things as they could be and say why not and we want leaders that will take us from where we are to where we could be and that takes passion and energy and vision but it also immediately bumps into the reality of, of life. Um, I know that myself, all leaders know that life happens. And then there's the danger of we start to filter data that comes to us, protect or be protected uh, from what's really happening whilst we're trying to reach for this idealistic vision. Um, and in other words, there's a denial of reality that can take place um, by followers and leaders. Some church traditions, you factor in the prophetic uh, to buttress this reality uh, crash so, and often denial just grows um, and I think that's one of the places where behaviors grow in the place we're going to get to talking about the shadow self uh, and before you know it, it's too late they've to, they've taken root in that place of the tension around idealism um, and then the third one I mentioned emotional needs I mean these all recursive and overlay one another um leaders are often empathetically open that's why they become leaders they care for people i mean there is actually data at the minute of the rise of the sociopathic leader um which is a, a product of our culture and times that we live in but for most of us in church leaders they're there because they care they love people they want to bear burdens they say yes to responsibility um, but what then happens is they start having the leaders get their needs met by meeting other people's needs. Um, I know that as a pastor, you know, at, at the point where, you know, your job security and then if you've got other people employed depends on the well-being and engagement of others. It, it's it's very difficult for that not to become uh, challenging and difficult and, um, you know, setting boundaries. Um, I think there's also something in there for certain types of leaders. You get a leader that will be defended and distant in that place, but we get something of toxic vulnerability, um, which is almost like a fake accountability. Um, you know, by disclosing things, you can cover up what's really going on. And I, I think we've seen a lot of that recently with leaders, um, leaders wanting to walk with a limp, but reusing that to, to, to cover up unmet emotional needs. And then I think all that results in what we've, you know, have always seen and are seeing at the minute. Um, there is what happens to leaders when they fail and fall. Um, fall. We're not very good at dealing with fallen leaders. They get replaced, they get buried, they get cancelled. And, and I think there is a place where for lots of leaders, the place where they might be accountable and do what needs to be done to find healing and wholeness and responsibility, they don't feel safe enough to do that. Then they end up in a place where they go, oh my goodness, I really have subconsciously, consciously crossed a threshold. Um, and that's all that, you know, that collusion and unmet needs. And and I think one of the signs and diagnostics of that is fundamentally to ask, and this brings it all full circle around what we're expecting with our leaders. When leaderships fail and fall, why are we surprised? Because it's what leaders have always done in history and do in scripture. And is our sense of 
loss with the leader, which there should be, is it because we put too much into the leader and the following of him and subcontracted that out? Or is it that Jesus has failed us? I think that's where we have a diagnostic when that. So there's the expectation on the way in and then there is the inevitable moment of failing when it happens. Well, that, thank you so much, Jason. That's a, a very <laughs> all-embracing answer to my first question. I did, uh, lots to, we could unpack. Uh, we won't have time to, but uh, yeah, uh, and some of that will, I'm sure, emerge as we have, have this conversation. Um, yeah. But I, I, for, for, for though you, you alluded to the fact that, that no one goes mm. into Christian leadership looking to end up where, sadly, some people seem to be in terms mm. of, you know, yeah. shipwreck yeah. of their faith or life or whatever. Um, mm. You know, a, a very, very painful business for, for, for both. And, and you know, yeah. um, so I guess this may be a big, bigger question than we can even explore too. But, mm. but those listening who are in Christian leadership, there may yeah. be traits within ourselves. We need to look at mm. uh, as warnings that might trip us up. Yeah. And uh, without getting too psychological, uh, yeah. how would you kind of help, help listeners think crumbs? Yeah because we're all fallen people and, and therefore potentially yeah. there's there's all stuff stuff that's there <laughs> yeah there is and i think you start the question in the right place how can we i mean there will probably get to questions of accountability and other mm -hmm. things that can be done but you know one of the things for leaders to recognize the only person they can really take responsibility for is for themselves before god mm. um and that means to start in a place of realizing that you have we all have traits that should give us warning signs i think one of the first ones i've noticed in myself and with others is defensiveness you know is there anywhere that's a no-go area people know they have to tiptoe around you can't talk to you about can't raise with you mine was you know i was a recovering workaholic from a very abusive uh, childhood and so control, you know, wanting to manage everything, plan everything. Uh, you know, and I remember it took me a long while, you know, to trust my wife saying, you're a bit of a control freak, to yeah. actually step back from that, from my identity and go, actually, maybe I do over plan. What, what's, and what's underneath that? And so we've all got, we're all prone to defensive. It's always a warning for me with a leader. If I hear people say, make sure you never talk about that. Don't go near that. That's a no-go zone. It's always... A, big warning sign um uh, so that that's one of the traits um another one would be i think about power and leaders always have more power than we realize and our the, the currency for most leaders is relationship we know that you know most people are volunteers in church situations and uh, um relationship is our currency but then it's also very very dangerous um I, i've noticed that again this relationship with leaders people will often get into ministry feeling a sense of calling from god loving the relationships but the the toxicity grows the unmet needs grow and then i think one of the warning signs is am i doing this because of a sense of connection to god and what he's doing or because i just do this now this is who i am i think that's another mm. warning sign um around some of those traits of, of how we process power um anyone that thinks they don't have any power is is wrong we all do personality resources experience position uh physical power and presence and, and that's something that can't be it's nothing that you can ever fix it's just a tension to manage so maybe that's the trait if you think that you don't have any power or you're stewarding it perfectly that should be a warning sign and then i mentioned control um 
you know we're trying to get people to do things um and it's it's very hard to think gosh i am controlling it's hard to say that out loud <laughs> well thank you for your honesty and your response jason um what role does does training and preparation for leadership have uh obviously yeah. the classic is go away for two three yeah. four years to a training college um mm. uh, where you, you learn the bible particularly if you're mm. heading for church leadership um anecdotally that doesn't necessarily look also at spiritual formation of course waverley abbey college is mm. is is in part seeking to serve yeah. people in that niche um mm. so uh, the internal work that needs to be done um so do you think yeah. do you think that that should be part of the training for leading yeah um i think it should be and it uh, intrinsic to and call to that question is and it's, it's what you've been asking from the beginning is how, what do we understand leadership has that leadership is often about growth measuring getting people from one place to another and that is a key part i mean leaders move things momentum gets stuff done um but what happens is if i use the language of front stage and backstage um recommend a book by simon walker called the undefended leader and Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, wonderful uh, theories. But I mean, it, and it works easily. We understand front stage, backstage. Uh, and our backstage, we have a backstage. We're a work in progress. And we always have a front stage, which is having to be present and available and manage ourselves to, to the world and to others. But where the disconnect happens um, is between the front and the backstage. And I think, so the issue of spiritual formation, your shadow work, um, identity issues, emotional health, intelligence. What happens is they often, the front and the back get separated. So you become all about up the front and don't do any of the back work. Or the other thing can happen is where you collapse everything into the backstage um, and completely focused on the, uh, uh, your self-formation and your shadow and stuff. Uh, and I think one of the things to, that we should be doing in leadership is the integration of the two. So yes, and, and what is leadership? Um, uh, and I what we're training leaders for i think we should be training and we know this training leaders to follow jesus to help others take responsibility in following christ we know that but we're all under pressure and we often default to well it's about the bible or it's about practical leadership or the spiritual formation bit is a bit of an add-on at times so you're absolutely right we need to how we get that integrated together is key at this moment um, and you, you alluded uh, earlier to, well, did more than allude to, the, the, the power dynamic that a leader mm. has. Um, and I guess uh, we we talked about training uh, and when someone is in post, suddenly yeah. there's a, a power they didn't realise and it's a little bit intoxicating. And I just maybe could talk yeah. through that and I appreciate you've had wider um, influence within the, within the Vineyard Church's network. So you will have met younger leaders who are, uh, maybe church yeah. planting you like you did or whatever who who suddenly crumbs mm. that the, the, there's something about this power <laughs> yeah there is and as i said um you know some of the core dynamics of power that we need to one of the things is to understand where we have power and learn to steward it so there is some training for us to do on things like personality resources I mentioned expertise, experience, position, physical power, all those things are important. But there's also something else under that. And I think it relates to ego. Now, when it comes to leadership, we know ego really is the enemy. Um, some people have an ego that makes it impossible for them to, to lead anything, even though they could. We see that in scripture. But, but our ego 
psychological issues aside are, are that part of us that responds to god and to other people in the leadership dynamic um we really should focus on it in our training and especially issues of power uh, and generally uh, it seems to be there are four places for our egos that we can examine one is you know are we generally secure do we have a positive view of ourselves and others Sometimes we can be dismissing of people. We see that with leaders. Um, maybe they were over cared for in some ways and people are a means to an end, that kind of leadership. Then you get the preoccupied leader, which is the one I bump into the most. Usually the, the, the sort of ego you see in the news a lot is, is the more dismissive type. But for most people generally who've gone into leadership because of caring for others, they end up over caring. Uh, and, and often it's because they've had unmet needs um, and they're preoccupied with their own care. If I care for others, actually what's happening is I'm being cared for. And then you've got some people who are just, when it comes to their ego, just uh, fearful and the whole world is disorienting and unpredictable. Um, uh, so our, our egos in the condition with them really are at the root of most leadership issues, performance, control, avoidance, risk. Avoiding responsibility, denial, overcaring, suspicion, capriciousness, being anxious um, or fragile. Those, those are all the sort of manifestations of, of ego issues. So um, I think if we identify our ego, um, and again, I've mentioned Simon Walker. If I just I always like to, when I talk on something, be able to say to people, go and read this if you want to find out more. His book is Trilogy, The Undefended Leader. And Simon talks about as a leadership expert. So what do we do? Because we can do things around our ego to temper them. We can be vulnerable and honest and ask, are we being really vulnerable and honest? We can let go of habits of control. And it's amazing what habits of control we have. We can ask for help um, instead of providing for the needs of others at times and consistently make sure we're living beyond control and safety zones. That one's interesting. The number of leaders I know, and again, I know this is my experience, you take a huge step for God, you take a big risk. And if something amazing happens with God, the temptation to settle in and become defended, not vulnerable, not honest, and not keep taking risks is, is one of those things that, that comes around ego uh, for leaders. There's some fascinating things you're saying, Jason. I would encourage uh, folk to really listen to this because there's all sorts of stuff we, we could have been unpacking but we haven't, we haven't got time for but sorry I mean, am i talking too much no no at all no you're, you're saying some good that is me complimenting you jason i'm oh, saying you're great. saying some good things um the, the role of charisma personality anointing mm. for service can be part of the mix uh it explains why a church member admires supports the leader um and that's in a sense that's a good thing and uh you know we we want people to you know paul said yeah. follow me as i follow christ um we want yeah. people in that way but but of course there's the potential to abuse that situation um hmm. and and yeah. and you talked about trying to control people um yeah. <laughs> you could take shortcuts and saying you know well yeah. you, you know of course of course you're my mate you'll, you'll get on and do it won't you that kind of thing so perhaps yeah. you could speak yeah. into that issue <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, again, a huge topic, uh, charisma, personality, and different types of people attracted to different types of personality. And again, that, you know, collusion that takes place between people, you think, what, you know, why some people wake up from and go, why was I doing that? What, what was it in me that needed that? There is that dynamic. I don't think we can get away. The issue is not primarily charisma you know, leaders that have charisma and personality, because I quite like leaders with charisma mm. and personality. 
but it's do they have the character it's the type of charisma and personality we're always going to have christian celebrities and well-known christians there always have been but do we have a type of you know celebrity or well-known christian with a tempered ego uh and character um you can't completely avoid it so in this power dynamic and especially as i said if i come back to our currency's relationship so when we're dealing with relationship as our principal engagement charisma and personality you know are really difficult to navigate um we see with jesus i mean you know very, very well known and, and and great celebrity in his moment, but he was very differentiated. That's a word that that's often used about well-tempered egos and leaders. You know, the rich young ruler, everybody's watching, and Jesus says, "One thing you lack, do this." And he doesn't chase after the person; he doesn't persuade him; he lets him go. But we also see Jesus calls Judas, and Judas had proximity to Christ, relationship with Christ, and yet failed catastrophically you see some of these dynamics around charisma personality and relationship and to bring that into land one of the things that concerns me um at this moment and trying to name it um leaders can abuse yes personality and celebrity but often we will say yes to god but actually what we're doing is we're saying yes to the person who's presented something to us and then at some point we get disappointed about life and we blame the leader. And it's, you know, we can blame their charisma or personality. You persuaded me to do something I didn't really want to do. There's a whole massive dynamic there to unpack for us, especially in the world we live in at the minute. Jason, as we, we're coming to close, sadly, but um, uh, those yeah. who end up having an affair, abusing power, have mm. often spoken of the stress they were under and how that, provided some kind of release however bizarre it felt at the time yeah. Yeah. And, um, and even if they knew actually they were doing the wrong thing there was just something about the pressure building up and yeah. and obviously it'd be good just to reflect on on having a healthy wholesome lifestyle where yeah. if you like sin seems less attractive because because life is attractive and i just reflect yeah. on that a little bit yeah and and again so the perspective here is on the leaders and the the position that they end up in and I've got a great deal of sympathy I've got my own crucible moments in leadership <laughs> over the years and temptations to yeah it's almost that you know in the movies the suicide by cop to do something <laughs> that you cannot come back from yeah. um, and actually um, I think for some leaders having an affair is even if it's not conscious subconsciously an act of self-harm that means there is no way back because there is the very real reality that for lots of leaders afterwards, people might say, well, yes, I could have and I could have asked for help. They actually can't. They're in a position where it is almost impossible for them to say, I'm struggling, I need help because of all the things that uh, they people that depend on them uh, and expectations that, that that people have. Um, and it is a hamster wheel with no with no way off. And, and by the way, lots of people do not reward leaders for having healthy lifestyles. And a healthy lifestyle is not just taking time off and resting. A healthy lifestyle for Christian leaders is one that's differentiated, that says, no, I won't do everything for you. 
Lots of people don't want to reward leaders who won't fix things for them and subcontract out for them. Um, and I think that's that place that, again, uses this word differentiation. If I could recommend another book, Edwin Friedman, Failure of Nerve, the book's been out for a while. But there's a phrase, you hear it a lot at the minute, about being a non-anxious presence leading out of an identity of who you are. It's one of the best books on leadership. Um, I get my students to read. It's a few decades old, but it's worth worth getting. Uh, failure of nerve, Edwin Freeman. Friedman, yeah. Friedman. Failure of nerve. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Uh, we recommend. Happy to recommend that. Um, so, uh, just as we come to a kind of a close, uh, yeah. I haven't been able to chat about everything, but I just mm. some people listening may be thinking, "Crumbs, this is starting to strike a chord." Uh, maybe mm. they're already they've started a process where then you know they're slipping into stuff. Yeah. Uh, a few a kind of a few cautious words for, for for folk and also a few reassuring words for those who are thinking crumbs I, I i'm i'm vulnerable help do i need to get out of leading because um i don't want to mess it up yeah. yeah absolutely um a few things off the top of my head having been there myself and counseled and looked after dozens and dozens if not hundreds of, of leaders is think about the situation you're in and your things you're struggling with and project those forward to where they might be and get there sooner. You, you really do have more choice than you think um, beyond your fears. Um, the, the number of times myself and other leaders have found that by pressing into things sooner than later, you find they're not as bad as you think they are. Then that stops them turning into something really bad. And actually, even if they are really bad, trust the god that got you into leadership in the first place that he has a route for you it's one of the things we can see in scripture um and you know our fears of shame and messing things up are things that the enemy does to to close us up to to do that um and i think um in the midst of all of this and one, one my greatest fear um my greatest concern with what we see happening with leadership is in the minute that we Friedman talks about this. We will start to shut down and focus on safety and safeguarding and accountability, which is the right, right thing to do. But what will happen is it stifles uh, imagination. It stifles the willingness to take risks. It stifles the willingness to say yes to Jesus uh, again. Uh, so we need to be doing both at the minute. I had a phrase from a guy the other day, safe enough to still be dangerous enough. And there is, we need to lean into that, the calling that got us into leadership. We should see facing up to our struggles as part of that calling and the danger and the excitement of a continued yes to Jesus. Um, we can do things like wonder, play, trust others, um, you know, use it as an opportunity to press into our vocation. Jason, you've uh, covered an awful lot in a very short period <laughs> of time. So thank you for uh, unpacking so much. And uh, this will be available as a podcast for people to re-listen to because there's tons of wisdom in what you've said. So thank you so much. Pleasure. Lovely to be with you. Thank you. It was lovely to chat with Jason Clark. He's the principal of Waverley Abbey College in the Farnham campus. And it was great to talk about the challenging side of Christian leadership. I appreciate it wasn't always pleasant, but nevertheless, hopefully illuminating for you as you reflect upon your own leadership and uh, the world of Christian leadership where the challenges are so great. Uh, so I would encourage you to re-listen because there was uh, much there. And the book that Jason mentioned, The Failure of Nerve, Leadership in the Age of Quick Fix is by Edwin Friedman. That's F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. It's been my joy, as always, to host the show. I look forward to you joining us again very soon. Bye for now.
You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.